Hello everyone, and welcome to This Nintendo Life, episode 240. My name is NBZ, and for once, for once, I'm not the one with a cold on this show. It's a historic moment, an event that should be marked in history. Uh, I'm joined by Bally, who has uh, just been knocked for six, yeah. apparently. How's it going, Bally? Well, they don't warn you enough when your kid starts at nursery that you know this is this is what happens you know uh, bally junior started nursery in january and it took us another two full weeks and then blam he got ill we got ill been off work all week but here i am you're still alive still I'm kicking still alive. and somehow managed to play some video games while doing so though i'm sure it was a struggle to do so yeah. um but uh but yeah um yeah i uh I think that's just something you just have to get used to now, right? It's like yeah, goes <laughs> kid goes out into the world, brings back diseases, and they uh, they all pass on to you. Uh, that's the thing as a parent, isn't it? Time ill off work is now just such hard work because you're looking after an ill child who is harder to look after because they're ill, and it's harder to look after them because you're ill. Right? So you're yeah. Mounting those two things on top of each other, and then yeah, the idea of him coming home from nursery and then being able to work on top of that is just like oh it's it's hard so yeah i mean because the second they're ill they're not allowed to be at nursery because they're going to infect other kids exactly so, yeah yeah it's just perpetuate it. it's a nightmare oh and yeah of course you have to pay for the nursery anyway like oh not, great yes you don't yeah. get any discounts so mm-hmm. that's all fun it's all good stuff um but uh hey you're here, uh, ready to, uh, you know, uh, talk about some video games, um, although the extent to which that will happen, we'll see, given I'll say there a is few a game. things. I'll, yeah. I'll, 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 I always talk in quite limited sentences, so... You know, uh, sure. Yeah, 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 it's all good. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to talk about some video games today, uh, one in particular that uh, is uh, is a biggie. But, um, Ballard, you want to let the fine folks at home know what uh, today's show is going to look like? For the first segment, we're going to talk about the games that we have been playing, and the second segment we're going to do some emails absolutely um and uh we also should shout out that we have a survey ongoing uh which uh you know just tell us your thoughts about the show uh lots of different things uh, that will be linked in the description uh for both the youtube and for the podcast version um but you can also find it i believe it's pinned to our twitter at the moment maybe maybe it's not yes yeah. pinned to twitter yeah. um and i might add everyone on discord again uh sure yeah it'll be open for like another couple of weeks just after the next show yeah exactly so uh if you have not done that yet um it's basically just a nice little helpful thing to let us know uh, what you think but also what direction we should be taking the show in for different things that we're doing uh that sort of stuff i think it's just a helpful uh little exercise uh so yeah it won't take many uh minutes of your time so appreciate anyone going and doing that uh but bali um it's happened uh finally our our long nightmare is over you know nintendo they don't make many games in this franchise you know but finally <laughs> they've come back with another one they um, them out they uh they certainly do you know i i imagine you are quite annoyed by the fact that the love that this has been given considering that advance wars a remake oh is still God. not out that's yeah. been delayed for ages and ages which seems like it might actually be coming soon uh given some, we'll some little rumors we'll and see. things in the pipeline so maybe you'll have your time to shine with some tactics but today is my time to shine with some tactics all right uh because fire emblem engage uh came out came out last week um and uh you know usually with podcast recording times it tends to work out that it's like well it came out on a friday and we're recording on the sunday so let's uh you know nbz just get in as much time as you can with xenoblade to talk about it um and uh, yeah i didn't have to do that this time which was nice i had a whole weekend to just play the whole thing myself and then the the, the rest of this week i've been playing it and um i've gone on a journey let's say with 
Fire Emblem Engage. So my my in-game timer, I'm going to check it actually, I believe my in-game timer says that I've played for 39 hours um, on this save file. I can't believe you've not beaten it yet. You've had that whole extra week. What's going on? Exactly. So, so 39 hours. However, that does not tell the, the, the full story here because um, I, so I started this game on normal uh, and I played about two hours on normal and then I was like, hmm, seems quite easy. I don't know if I want to continue doing this. So I decided because this game and in its infinite wisdom and I, God, I wish that they would change this. I hope they change it for the future, but you cannot change the difficulty up. You can only change it down. So in order to play on hard and to kind of try that out, I would have to restart the entire game. And I was like, you know what? It's fine. I can probably skip through it pretty quickly. <laughs> so so I, annoying. It is incredibly frustrating. And I, I think it's so dumb. And I don't know why they force you to do that. It's incredibly stupid. And, you know, in this the day and age of the accessibility that we have and, you know, changing things on the fly, games that allow you to do that everywhere across the spectrum, for some fucking reason, they think this is still a good did, idea. Did you know this was the case when you increased your difficulty? Or was it like, ah... I did. Right. I did know this was you the case. Know. Yeah, because this is just the way it's worked. Other FEs do it as well, right? They do. Yeah, I think since Awakening, maybe it's been like this. Um, the only difference here is I don't think you can change from classic to casual or, or vice versa either. So I'm on classic, and I couldn't. I, there's no way for me to change to casual at all. Like it just can't, it can't be done. Basically, so you have to really be committed if you're if you're going to be yeah. doing this. Um, but then I was like, all right, I'll just I'll just replay through the first three chapters, and I actually skipping all the cutscenes. Like I know people have been talking about this game in terms of you know the story is very light and it's it's pretty terrible and we'll get into that but um uh it, it took me 25 minutes uh to do it the second time so two hours to 25 minutes like um i did turn off all battle animations and stuff like that but like just doing the fights it wasn't very long so it shows that there is actually quite a lot of like narrative and story and cutscene stuff up front in this game anyway mm. um so that's an extra like two hours if you put those two times together and then i um you know i kept playing through the game on hard and and the game has been a real challenge and i think like a really enjoyable challenge a challenge in a way that feels fair and warranted like fate's conquest level of challenge yeah pretty much like i would say that this on hard is about for me where conquest on normal was um which just says how fucking hard conquest is because like that game Jesus. is is brutal um but like it's maybe maybe a little bit above that i would say but it's it's one of the more challenging experiences i've ever had with fire emblem and like one of the more fair challenging experiences and then i got to chapter 10 and i got to a boss where i was like uh okay this is stressful the the game does have its rewind functionality right where you can uh, you know if you mess up a turn you can kind of turn the clock back to previous turns uh you know not having to restart the entire map over which is a great feature it's been in every game since echo so echoes introduced mila's turn wheel um, and then in three houses they had divine pulse which is a version of it and so now they have another version of it they they kind of explain it but it's really just like and it's, it's limited you can't just keep it's limited right. this is the important thing so on on normal it isn't limited it's, it's actually infinite on normal which makes it even easier but on hard it's limited to 10 and on this boss fight in chapter 10 i used up every single fucking one of those charges because this boss is just like fucking brutal so like i I barely scrape my way through this boss i'm like holy shit sweating then i go into chapter 11 and chapter 11 is like an escape map where you're like running away and like all this stuff has been taken away from you you're almost like depowered they basically take all your like cool things away from you and you're like trying to escape and like the stress of doing those two chapters back to back i was like 
oh boy, I don't, I don't know if I can do this, you know, I was like, I was, I was shook, um, and so I decided, you know, I, I will keep a save file, I'll keep a backup save file on hard, but I will just drop my difficulty back down to normal, so that's what I did, I dropped it back down to normal, and then what happened was, I played through three more chapters on normal, and, um, there was the moment on, like, Sunday, I think, when I was on the phone with my parents and with my sister, and, you know, we just had a, a family call, basically, and I'm usually, like, it's usually my mom and my sister just talking about some inane bullshit, and I'm, like, you know, kind of half paying attention, but also, you know, when it's my time to chime in in the conversation, I will, but usually I'm either playing Overwatch or I have, I'm playing something at the same time, just because my mind, and I'm sick, about this is a problem with me, but, like, I just have to be, feel like I'm doing something while I'm on this phone conversation, so, um, so I'm playing, I'm playing this chapter in Fire Emblem, and, like, I'm, I'm talking and paying attention to the conversation and i'm just like breezing through this map like i don't have to think about it like i'm barely engaging with the main mechanic the quote-unquote engage mechanic of the game and like i get to the end of that map and i'm like that was not satisfying at all that that was not it just felt like a nothing burger i was like what what is the point what is the point of me playing through this game on normal where it's just not going to satisfy my desire and at this point my normal file was now six hours beyond where my previous hard file was so you know what I did? I decided let's go back to oh hard again. God. So I went, so I went back to my hard file um, after chapter eleven, and I, I replayed those three maps again on hard. Uh, so I probably have about eight hours unaccounted for in terms of the save file. So yes, though my save file says thirty nine hours, it's probably closer to like. 46 47 total so i'm closing on 50 hours here and by the end of this weekend i'll definitely be over 50 hours into this game are you gonna keep limping along with both files till the end of the game then like how are you gonna no. how are you gonna do it i so now i have committed that i am just well here's the, the nice thing right this hard file i can now overwrite my previous normal one right and i can drop down to normal if i wanted to but keep where i was on hard so like there's there's a there's kind of a leapfrogging situation right. here where i could I can always keep a backup oh, save file. System, honestly. Is it is, it is, it is stupid. But here's the thing: I think this game fucking rules from a combat standpoint. And like now that I'm over the hump, because one of the problems that I had was like I wasn't quite keeping up level wise, and like the characters I was using, I was using a lot of the kind of starting characters. What I tend to do that with Fire Emblem games is they give you lots of characters in like the classic GBA games, like Fire Emblem Six especially throws like here's Wendy, like. Who the fuck is Wendy? She's just like an armored knight, a level one who's pink and like is completely useless and like you never have any reason to use her. And the, by the time she shows up, all your characters are like level 11. So it's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with Wendy? And like, this game has a lot of Wendy's, except all the Wendy's are good. All the Wendy's are like, you know, level 12 paladins and shit, right? Like, they're actually throwing tons of good units at you. But I tend to be someone, on a first playthrough anyway, of a Fire Emblem game, to choose the people at the start and kind of stick with most of them you know and if if not then i'll kind of substitute people here and along the way but um some of the starting characters are not fantastic and so they, they feel a little bit weaker and um i think i was just struggling around chapter 10 or 11 but also chapter 10 and 11 kind of put a little bit of kind of restriction on your resources as well and just make things a little bit trickier um but now that i have managed to kind of get past that hump like i'm, I'm feeling more in line with it um i'm leveling up a bit better and now i feel in a great kind of place yesterday i did chapter 17 which the discord was warning me was going to be like a brutal chapter and it's a fucking brutal chapter it has six bosses on the map um they will just rush towards you there are a couple that come together at the same time and like trying to map it out and make sure that you're in position all that sort of stuff really tricky um but uh it was so incredibly satisfying to like master that and like understand it and like position everybody and use everyone to their fullest potential 
and it was just fantastic so that's the baseline here i've gone on a bit of a saga of a journey to get to this point but now i feel pretty safe and secure where i am on hard classic and and i think that for me is the way that i have to play this game because as i said playing on normal it just felt like there was no pushback right so the main the core mechanic of this game the engage mechanic right the whole idea is that so you can get slightly into the story but basically <clears throat> there are uh, these rings right these these emblem rings these bond rings and they engage they, rings yeah they, um, that's the pun isn't it right for right. engage and the main thing is their rings so um but you, you're not getting married to ike or whatever he's just like your your buddy um right. and um all these rings have the souls, like the ghostly souls, of past Fire Emblem characters from the series, right? So you get a ring that has a Lin in it, and Lin has a bunch of powers that you can use, and so you give that to a character, and they get benefits, all the benefits that she has, essentially. Um, and, you know, all these different characters bring with them a set of different abilities, and when i was playing on normal it felt like i just didn't need to use them you know maybe i would use them on bosses but i wouldn't use them during the level and when you look at the way that these levels are laid out they have recharge spots so the way that the mechanic works is that you can basically have it equipped to somebody and you get like some kind of slight passive bonuses for having it equipped but if you press the engage button then for three turns you will have a super saiyan basically fully powered up character and that character can do a bunch of things. So Lin, for example, who's probably my favorite one in the game. Um, so I gave Lin to Etie. Etie is my archer. She's my god-tier archer. I always have an archer who I lean on for the whole game, who becomes my favorite unit. Etie is that unit in this game. She's fucking fantastic. Give her a longbow. She will murder everybody. All the flying units, they're just going down to her no matter what, right? And I gave her Lin. And so she already good now becomes fucking god tier because what Lin can do is Lin can fire a shot, an astral shot, which goes across the entire fucking map. So I can shoot the boss from the beginning of the stage, essentially, with this powered up move that basically takes down a whole health bar. Um, she can also create four illusory doubles of herself with one HP. So she creates these four kind of like bots that uh, stand around and protect her and the enemies are just baited to kill them. Um, uh, instead of going after your your characters which is fantastic so it's a good like diversionary tactic um as well as just generally powering up your character um and and giving extra abilities there's like there's so much stuff you get when you have an emblem uh, or an engaged thing attached to a character um which is why they limit it to three turns and so like the reason that this is important is because on hard you really do have to use that mechanic even at the start of maps right because enemies will come at you and they'll be much harder to kill and be overwhelming you and so you have to rebalance that by using this engage mechanic in your favor in order to kind of like get rid of one who's annoying or like you know ike for example has a move called great aether where he he kind of goes into a defensive stance for a turn and just kind of sits there like shielding and then afterwards any enemies that have attacked him in a radius take massive damage because he then basically explodes and does a big attack and it will burst out and and kill like you can do like seven people at once if they're all surrounding him um so you can kind of like send him into an area bait everybody out and then explode and then you can pair that with like lucina's ability which i have on my main character where they have a shield so they can do a shield that gets the four characters who are adjacent to them so you can you get into these really interesting combos where you know one person with ike is sitting there in the center lucina's ability is shielding them so they can take as much damage as possible have all enemies swarm on you and then boom ike explodes next turn and they're all gone um so there are some really interesting kind of 
combat synergies you can do that you just don't need to engage with on the regular difficulty and i think that's why hard makes sense here um because it feels like you don't need to recharge or use those those moves on kind of just regularly going through the game so that's why for me it has stepped up so much more by playing this way and and kind of like giving me that challenge um and it has been very very satisfying to do um i think the game narratively is just a little bit strange right it's um it's very basic it's so basic to the point that i watching the opening cutscene and then getting about 30 minutes into the game i pretty much called the end game twist as soon as like i was like, oh okay that's what the twist is here and i haven't got to that twist yet but like everything they're doing is like well yeah this is obviously the twist like it's it's so i think unconcerned with being interesting or um complex or having any sort of depth is it like a gba narrative though is it honestly simple, you know? honestly i think that's an insult to the gba narrative <laughs> because the gba narratives actually had some interesting character stuff going on and like were Sometimes, still well written yeah. and as simple as it was like actually had good character motivations and you could you could tell who these characters were and i think one of the things that like awakening did you know since awakening that every character kind of has this like crutch that they lean on of like their personality is that they like tea right you oh my god you'll hear a lot about fucking tea and and muscles and training in this game because that seems to be every fucking character trait that everyone has but like in awakening gaius for example gaius is a character who's a thief but he loves sweets and that's the that's the character trait he loves sweets right and i feel like that has persisted throughout the games three houses got away from it by having these separate kind of classes of characters you know you you chose one one kind of group and because it was a smaller cast they could go a lot more in depth Mm. with it like i remember you know support conversations with dorothea and like stuff about class because she's a commoner in a kind of noble world and like very interesting like her positioning you know as a woman in that space but also from a lower class background and like how she kind of navigates things like actually interesting stuff going on with the characters in three houses like a level of nuance uh, in those support conversations but also in the main narrative far beyond anything any other fire emblem game had done and this really does feel like hitting the reset button and be like no let's just go back to dumb stupid cartoon stuff uh doesn't make any sense is really really uh, surface level i associate what you're describing the most with those 3ds games to be honest you know what I yeah mean? Like, it's all, i think it was awakening that introduced those kind of side conversations you could have it like no so those pub. have always been in the series but have they but previous to awakening the support conversations could only ever happen on the map right so on the map you would right build... they were just a little less frequent right yeah because yeah. you would build them up on the map and then on the map it would be like oh i can talk to someone on the map right now so you could only do them there whereas in a post-awakening world um the the other thing with pre-awakening was that when you did support conversations you could only have five total for for each character throughout the game so that meant you could only get to a rank with one one pair basically so like i know dorcas and um who else is from fire Emblem seven elliewood say dorcas and elliewood could get to a rank together but then dorcas and um florina could only get to b total right so you could only have one a rank with a character and awakening changed things by not only limiting it so that you didn't have to or taking away the limit that you had to do on the map you could do support conversations in the menu after maps but also anyone could support conversation with anyone all the way up to a but then they also cut it off at an s rank and the s rank was where people got married and then had kids right so that's what they did with awakening um and ever since then they've made support conversations a much bigger part of the game basically which is why i think your 
you know, you would you would think it's it's only got introduced in Awakening. It's just be- it became more important, I think, right. as the series. Just went all on. of those like I like tea, I like candy. Yes. It was kind of uh-huh. I very much associate that with the three DS. Yeah, totally. But like at least even though awakening did that and i think fates is also at fault for this and fates is definitely even more worse written than uh Awa- i think awakening actually is quite well written fates is just badly written and i think engage is like even worse i think engage is the worst written game in the series by a long shot and um how did that happen i i don't know honestly i, I have no idea how or why but so apparently this game is much more just intelligence systems and they didn't use um yeah Banner, it, or uh, tecmo koei right Koe. um which is interesting because, like, it seems like Temo Koei, I guess, like, have good writers, or at least they brought on good writers for Three Houses. Because, man, the narrative in that that game yeah. is way, way better. Maybe they've got like a localization team or something. I'm not sure. Yeah, but um, but it does. It it basically boils down to, hey, I'm the divine dragon. I've been asleep for a thousand years, and I wake up. And okay, here's the best way to illustrate how much, how little I care about this story, right? Okay, so um, you get to I don't know chapter three, maybe. So this is spoilers for the beginning of the game, but it, it honestly doesn't fucking matter because the story is so bad that being spoiled on it it's just like doesn't it's not a big deal so skip ahead if you want to but um i wouldn't say it's worth it uh so you wake up and you're like oh what am i doing here who are these people i've got amnesia because classic that's the way things are um and you go to meet your mother your mother is like the goddess dragon basically and she can turn into an actual dragon you can't turn into a dragon at least yet maybe i do at the end of the game that's probably a reveal i imagine given the way this game goes i'm definitely turning into a dragon at the end of this game like there's no way i'm not essentially so um so you go to the castle and she's like hey hello and you have some really bad dialogue and there's a really awkward line that i posted to twitter like a line read which feels like they took a line from one and spliced it into the other it's like a bad podcast edit you know like i think also i i pick up on this stuff more easily because we do editing of podcasts but like i can tell when a cut has happened and like but this one is so fucking obvious it's just like why like it just sounds so often weird and um and so you get like very light information about who this person even is like there's no emotional attachment here whatsoever you get to the end of the chapter and some dark person with a hood comes in and you know and then she turns into a dragon and she's like oh i'm gonna fight you and then she gets hit by something and then she's like oh no i'm dying and then fram who's your healer tries to heal her and she's like no she's she's i've tried to heal her but she's still dying because there's some dark magic or something and so you know your character is on the floor with your mother who you've only just met because you have amnesia so you don't remember her at all have zero emotional connection to um and this mother is dying giving a speech for like i don't know 10 minutes and you are there your character is just like bawling their eyes out like to be fair the voice actors are doing a good a job as they can with the material they're given um it's really the material that's the problem not that the voice actors are doing great but it's just like the material is pretty fucking rough and so you know this 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 queen is just like dying and like and literally as this is happening i'm on my other monitor and i'm just scrolling twitter like i'm so fucking checked out i'm like i this this woman is dying this is supposed to be an emotional point and i'm like all right let's just wait for this cutscene to oh okay yeah she's saying some stuff oh what's happening on, oh what's going on with uh oh hi-fi rush oh that looks cool you know like i'm, I'm on twitter like doing this stuff while this cutscene is playing out that is how fucking checked out of this game i, I don't think you've ever been that checked out of the fire emblem story uh, well yeah and and it's just it doesn't it doesn't warrant your attention it does not warrant you paying attention to it and to be frank that is totally fine because in a weird way despite three houses like having such a great narrative and support conversation all that sort of stuff at the end of the day i am a little grubby tactics boy and i i you know as much as i like narratives being good in fire emblem games 
I kind of don't care if they are good or not. So the fact that the the kind of map design and the combat stuff is so good, it really it kind of softens the blow, right? It's like, well, I can kind of listen to these support conversations if I want to, and you know, they they add some like there's some fun ones later on. There's some some fun stuff going on, but it's not something that I really need to care that much about. So you know, I'm okay with kind of just breezing past it and being like, oh, and you know, it does get kind of interesting. Like there are moments where things happen, you're like, oh, okay, that's cool, but then you can also very clearly see exactly what's happening, and it it is it is a cartoon, right? Like you know, if you went back and watched kids shows back in the day as an adult you can very clearly see like oh i know exactly what's going to happen here because it's telegraphed but that's because it's telegraphed in a way for, for it to work for kids right like that's kind of what this feels like in a way it's like you dumb children here's your stupid cartoon that you're going to watch and that's basically it's basically the energy that it brings which is totally fine and i think it fits with the tone of the game because aesthetically the game is very anime right like it has that kind of like cartoonish like poppy feel but the game is so much prettier than Three Houses was. Like, Three Houses had a big problem where it was very grey and kind of, like, grounded, but also, like, it felt jaggy, like there wasn't anti-aliasing going on, like, it felt like there were technical issues kind of holding it back. And I know everyone goes on about the Switch is old and we need to change it, all that stuff. Honestly, playing this, both on TV and handheld in bed, like you wouldn't know it like it looks fucking fantastic and i think part of the reason is that they double down on the things that matter which is the characters right and xenoblade did a little bit of this as well where xenoblade like went full in on like the visual design of the characters and how good they look which kind of distracts from like sometimes the environments are not as like high textured or whatever and you this is you can see this very clearly in the support conversations where the characters like sharp as fucking hell and then the backgrounds the backgrounds I don't think are actually 3D environment. I'm pretty sure the backgrounds are just fucking PNG images, uh, right? So, like, the thing is, it doesn't really matter, though, because the focus is on the characters. You're not really paying attention to the backgrounds, and they're kind of, like, lightly blurred in a way where you you don't... You get that sense of place and and where they are, but you don't need to worry about, um, you know, rendering a full 3D environment for stuff like that. And same with the cutscenes, right? Like, I think it's a smart way that they've kind of gotten around some of the environment design maybe being a little less interesting but then also when you finish a map weirdly they have so they have modeled every single map in this game fully in the sense that you know usually in these games when you zoom down to the character level right in the gba games you would zoom into another screen and it would be like you know kind of a block of grassy plain and kind of generic it wouldn't be like exactly the, the map and what it looked like and you kind of zoom in and they do their animation that would be that and over the years they they kind of just zoom to like more generic looking spaces that are like representative of the area you're in but not exactly like the space you're actually standing in this is the first game where the space you are literally standing in is the space you can see on the map so if you're standing next to a windmill you will zoom in and you will see the full 3d windmill next to you right like they actually model the entire map which is very cool from a battle perspective zooming in for the animation but then also after every map you can then start running around the world and so you can every map you finish you then start running around the full 3d environment of the space and like it looks really good um it's just super well modeled and it's a nice little thing you do at the end it's kind of pointless because all you do is you can go around and you can talk to people but everyone everything everyone says is very generic and there are a lot of repeated lines in there and it's pointless to do so um but you can go around you can adopt animals and that kind of goes back to your somnial thing your, your kind of farm um 
and and yeah and you collect these things called bond fragments which are things that you you basically use to power up the the relationships between the emblems there are a lot of systems in this game and i don't want to kind of drill too hardcore into it because it just gets into a bit of the minutia but you essentially have the ability to to pass on skills from emblems to characters so my healer for example fram uh, she has a skill from micaiah which basically means that when she heals an ally she also heals 50% of the amount that she healed to the ally. So if she heals 12 HP to the ally, she gets 6 HP healed back to her, which is a godsend because it means that she can stay at a healthy HP amount without having to use another healer to help her out. So she can reliably be your main healer, at least for the beginning of the game, to kind of get you through. But also crucially, there are a bunch of new mechanics that have been added that make each character and each kind of type of unit more interesting so we haven't really gotten to the break mechanic yet but um for fram so fram has this ability called chain guard where so she's a healer but she's also a martial artist so she has fists and so fists are actually more effective against um uh, bow wielding units and um, dagger wielding units and magic wielding units so you have the traditional weapon triangle of axe beats uh, lance beats sword and sword beats axe right that's the traditional weapon triangle but then you also have you know how do you how do you break the stance of someone with a mag- magic spell or with you know other stuff like that you have to use a monk so fram becomes very useful to use her fists to break through other people but she has an ability called chain guard which is essentially a kind of like defense buff move where she stands next to an ally and she will take a hit for them but it will be a reduced damage so you know if she stands next to diamond for example and he's out in front like taking damage from somebody if she's at full health she can chain guard with him and then he won't take the damage she will block it for him but you can only chain guard when you're at full health which is why this whole ability where she heals herself when she heals allies is so useful because by doing that you can always make sure she is at full health so that she can be a defensive blocker for other characters on the field so really interesting stuff synergy wise going on there and this is like throughout the game there's so much of this going on there is this new ability called chain attacks where certain units who are backup units so um you know usually kind of ground-based units with axes or swords they'll have this ability to jump in if they are adjacent spaces to another unit so if diamond is standing next to alir the main character um, and she attacks somebody he will jump in first to do like five extra damage basically so if you are positioning yourself correctly you can have multiple of these backup units doing chain attacks at the same time as your character to give additional boost on top of that so it just adds so many layers to the tactics so not only do you have this entire engage mechanic where you're calling on these powers of these rings that are super broken and doing really really great things to kind of get you through these hard enemies but then you also have these additional things you know these extra kind of layers of the mechanics being put on there that um i have found really really helpful and just adds an extra tactical layer that i I think like map design wise this game is very very much like the gba games but i think it feels better than that because it has so many more options for tactical things that you can do right um and that's where it kind of separates itself so i wouldn't say that the map designs are on the level of something like conquest where like it really is all about the space and the placement but there is a lot going on here and there are certain maps where you know for example there is one early on where oh early on it's like chapter 12 or 13 um where it's nighttime so there's fog of war so you can't see anything there are these torches that you can light to 
to kind of um see through the the space see through the darkness um and there are these giant kind of blocks in the way that can only be uh, destroyed by you attacking them, right? And so you have to break them down to kind of slowly get through this area. This is also the map you get Ike, and so Ike has an ability called Demolish, where he can just, like, smash these things in one hit. And so you're kind of using that to to get through this space, and there's also the added pressure of there's a village, uh, and there's a bandit going for the village, and you can't really see where the bandit is because he's in the darkness, but you want to try and get there quickly so that you block him off from taking the item that's in the village. And this is really core classic GBA design, where maps are spaces in which there are treasure chests that are hard to get to, and those are the... It's almost like the star coins in Mario, right? Like, I use this analogy a lot, but these chests or these villages are basically that for GBA Fire Emblem, where... The, the main challenge is like, you know, just finish the map and kill all the enemies and kill the boss. However, to step things up a little bit more, to ramp up the pressure a little bit more, can you get to that village before a bandit destroys it? Or can you get to that chest before a thief steals from it and then runs off the map and takes the item with them? Classic GBA design constantly happens in those maps. You're in a castle, a thief will pop up really high up on the map and he will spend a couple of turns stealing from the chest and then trying to escape. And you're pressure there is you know as someone who plays fire emblem generally quite kind of methodically and i wait for enemies to come towards me i I slowly use my like big general character to kind of bait characters to take damage and all that sort of stuff you know it encourages it puts the pressure on for you to be a bit more aggressive to be like i need to figure out a way of sorting this shit out so there's an early map where you know there are two thieves that appear early on near where you are but far enough away to where it's tricky and also in spots where if you put someone out there there are three other enemies who will swarm you and take you down so like i had to come up with a strategy of like okay i'm going to use eta's far-reaching astral shot ability to take out one of them and then another character can come in and finish it off and then the other character on the other side i'm going to put two characters there and one character up here to try and bait the different enemies towards them so that it doesn't just get one character targeted by all of them to be killed take out that thief with you know two characters you know using both their attacks to take them out and like then dealing with the aftermath of like okay now everyone's coming towards you and it is such a great tension uh, that i really appreciate um and yeah the, these maps really do feel like they come from that gba school of design where like the, the maps are interesting they sometimes have those cool gimmicks of like you know fog of war and like demolishing stuff there's also a map where um you're on a beach and the water acts like the tides right so the water moves in and out and if you're in the middle of the water when the tide is out then your character can barely move can only move a couple of spots and there are patches of land that will not be touched by the water so it's about waiting for the water to recede then getting across quickly to the next patch but also staying you know in mind of where enemies are respawning and stuff like that and there's constant stuff like that where enemies will you know you'll you'll start moving forward and then they'll pop up behind you um it it does feel and that's why i think i'm resonating so much with it is it feels like that school of design taken to the next level because you have so much more mechanical depth to work with and so much more to do in these spaces when you're kind of like contemplating you know your strategy and i i fucking love it i think it really has scratched that part of my brain like i was telling you i stayed up until 1am last night because i started a map and my brain just wouldn't let me go to sleep until i had finished it right like this is the type of game where i will sit down and it'll be like oh shit two hours went by and i didn't even notice because my brain is so engaged in trying to work my way around every kind of tactical decision um 
that it, it really has enraptured me and that is the critical thing about playing this on hard is like i it, if i hadn't done that i think i would be very different on this game frankly and because the normal mode it feels like normal mode should just be called easy and there should be a mode between normal and hard that is the actual normal mode but they have decided to kind of have this big gap between them and what it does is it means that it's a bit tenser for me than i usually am used to with fire emblem games but it is pushing me in that way and it actually is making me think like you know i liked awakening a lot partially because it felt like a power move game where you would just pair people up they would become power couples and you would just fucking just punch holes through armies and you would barely have to think they would take no damage you would train up donald my big pot boy donald you'd train him up he would become a god and you would just send him out into the field doesn't matter what enemies they were they would all come towards him and crash against him like a wave essentially right and that was great fun i enjoyed doing that but for whatever reason i just don't feel that way with engage like playing on normal even though it kind of is that it wasn't the same power ramp and so it didn't feel as satisfying as doing that in awakening whereas something like conquest was like okay we're going to give you limited resources and you know this game is going to be very tactically challenging so you really have to engage your brain for this and and that's what this game is doing and i think the bosses are the most interesting part where i can get through most of the maps pretty easily on on hard just going through the regular enemies but you get to bosses and i got to chapter 10 and that is where this boss just fucking he unloads man he so he's the one that you get lynn's emblem from and he you know he has the abilities that you get when you use her so he gets the illusory doubles he gets the shot that can shoot you from halfway across the map and so it's a question of like looking at his range his range is fucking massive and you're like okay i gotta place someone here so that he is baited to attack them specifically so that they take not as much damage you know i don't want my flyer in there because if i've if i've got um chloe in there then she's gonna get destroyed so it's like about baiting that and then having three characters fully uh, buffed up with engage uh and the problem is that he he also you know is a myrmidon so is able to do crits pretty frequently but also like super fast so does like double attacks and is like doing 40 damage like at this point none of my characters have 40 health so it's just a really hard thing to get my head around and just like figuring out and as, as i said i did 10 rewinds on that chapter i think i spent three hours on that chapter uh, one of those attempts was like me like running away from the boss trying to skirt him around in a circle kind of picking off the characters around him because there's one character you know similar to how i can use the chain guard um, ability to to block attacks enemies can do that as well so enemy and, and that's the thing that makes this really balanced is i haven't even talked about the main mechanic here right the break mechanic which changes everything with the weapon triangle where if you use a sword on an axe right traditionally in fire emblem you get a kind of like boost in terms of your accuracy so sword on axe and you you'll do a bit better you'll do a bit more damage stuff like that but here if you use a sword on an axe the enemy can't retaliate you basically break their stance so you hit them and then they can't do any damage back to you on that same turn so that changes things significantly it means that your army is kitted out in a way where you want to have multiple uh, axe users multiple lance users multiple sword users so that you can find that balance and be able to use those uh, weapons to break enemy stances and to then put them into position where you can have a weaker unit come in and attack them without fear of retaliation right and i, I think that's a really smart change but it wouldn't be a smart change if only you could do it and because enemies can do it to you as well it just makes positioning even more important of like where do you put people you're just really thinking these things through right and so enemies having all these abilities as well um bosses having multiple health bars right so 
in the past, one of the things I actually liked about the GBA games was you would get to a boss and they'd be like sitting on a throne and they wouldn't move. They would have no movement. So they would just sit there. And so there would be times where you'd be like, I've got a longbow here. I'm just going to I'm gonna slowly do two health damage to you every turn until I slowly kill you. You know, there was a way around that. But also you were, you were a bit weaker generally because you didn't have all those massive abilities and stuff on the GBA. So they could build bosses with like equivalent HP bars that you would have to throw everybody at them in order to take them down. And that's one of my favorite things about Fire Emblem is like, if a boss requires me to use every single character on my team to kill them in one round, that is a, a nice boss for me because it's like really struggling with all my resources to just about make it. And these bosses feel like that because they have multiple HP bars, right? So you can like punch through and do a bunch of damage with certain characters, but then other characters are utility. So um, another really cool mechanic is that your thief, so uh, you know characters that you daggers they now have an ability that anytime they attack an enemy, they will poison that enemy. And what poison does is different from other games. So usually poison will like kind of take health down slowly over time. What poison does in Fire Emblem is that it essentially weakens the enemy defensively. So if you're poisoned, you are now open to take more damage from any other attack that hits you. So sometimes, even if it's like a, a, a boss that takes no damage from my thief, I will send my thief to do two, two damage times zero um and it won't do any damage but it will inflict them with poison and it means that someone else the next person who attacks them then does more damage and you know you can stack this multiple times so if you have two thieves or two people using daggers you can do it twice and they will take even more damage so you can stack it up to like three times i believe so it's just added as i said every layer of this feels like they've really thought through what is the balance here what is the push and pull on every character how do we have benefits and drawbacks for every single type of unit in this game and it creates a tactical synergy and just like mental map in your brain where you are constantly thinking non-stop the neurons are just firing off like a like a big old chess game and i think it is really fantastic and the bosses apply pressure by like again the gba ones they kind of sit in place these bosses they will just move towards you and sometimes they will move without you activating them and you'll be you'll have to deal with it right and part of that is something that i'm like man this game really feels like it wants you to be a bit more aggressive but in a way that is also calculated so that you're not too aggressive that you're kind of just throwing people out there to die not in a way whether with awakening where you're just throwing people out and they can they can handle the world these characters can't handle everything like Etie, who is my archer who's a queen she fucking kills everybody but she can't take damage for shit like if if one person comes near her they will kill her in two hits if they're fast enough right and so you really have to find that balance there of like positioning matters and protecting people and you know i got a dancer recently dancers have always been an interesting part of the series in that in the gba games they weren't very they were good but all they could do is dance but now the dancer has the added effect of also having the kind of the martial artist fist move so they can also now break enemies as well as being a helpful thing to kind of dance and rejuvenate and there's also another emblem i got that can also do a thing called goddess dance where they stand in the middle of four units and they can refresh four units at once so like there's a lot of different strategies you can take here by pairing things together um to just like squeeze your way out of situations and find kind of tactical nuances um and all of this is kind of wrapped around there is a kind of hub area that you go to the somnial which is um it's basically the monastery from three houses except far less important and you don't really need to engage with it but if i'm honest like i actually really like it because it is and i've ended up spending like between half an hour and 40 minutes there every time after a fight and the reason is is that every fight is so intense with such high stakes that 
you feel the relief, right? There's almost like a, oh, okay, I'm just going to go pet my dog for a bit, you know, and feed him a, an apple or whatever, right? And I'm going to go fishing and do this dumb fishing mini game. I'm going to go fly a wyvern and do like a weird Star Fox mini game where I have to shoot targets. Like that's in this game for some reason. Um, and, and then you can kind of mess around with the ring. So like emblem rings all have uh, kind of weaker rings bond rings that you can form so it's like a gacha system where you go into this room and you can basically do random pulls and you get characters from other games in the series right so if you do i don't know erica for example you would get a bunch of characters from sacred stones you know and their rings are uh, they give you know buffs they give you know plus two strength or plus one dexterity that sort of thing but they don't give you the same abilities as the main emblem emblem rings do and because you only have a limited number of like big powerful emblem rings the rest of your party should be equipped with these kind of lesser rings basically and um and you can get you can actually get ones which are s rank and it's you know it's a random gacha thing so you can fuse them together but it gets very expensive to get an s one you have to have like four a rings and like ten thousand fragments in order to get an s rank if you're going to forge them um but you can randomly get them and i've got a few s rank rings and some of them also have abilities as well so yunaka my thief she now has marissa's s ring from sacred stones and that has lethality lethality and ability from sacred stones which is really cool where you know there's a percentage chance that a critical hit uh, just kills the enemy outright basically so it, it doesn't matter how much damage you do even if you do one damage if it's a crit it just fucking kills the enemy basically which is sick so i now have that on her and because she has very high dexterity extremely high crit rate it's going to pair very nicely so you know you get benefits stat buffs from them but sometimes with the s rank rings you actually get a little bit of an ability as well so added layers there um there's the arena where you can kind of grind it's a bit random it's not like traditional fire emblem arenas it's you just put a character in they will randomly choose a character from the cast to fight and they'll win or they'll lose and it's just kind of up to chance whether they're up to the task of fighting them um and that gives you a little bit of xp to kind of catch people up but for me the the best way of getting xp was to go into the skirmish maps which honestly i wish that they were a bit better balanced because each skirmish map that they show on the map is quite a few levels above where your army is and the way that the skirmish maps work is that all the enemies will just start rushing towards you there's no bait uh, there's no like kind of standing in place and baiting enemies slowly they'll just fucking rush towards you which meant that when i was very early on in the game i couldn't really grind because i would lose a character on a skirmish map and i you know they're dead and i can't do anything and i'd be overwhelmed however there is a mechanic where if you game over if you die and you lose characters you can just say, I want to retry the map, but keep all the XP I had. So you can go in, you can kill a few guys, and then end up your your whole army gets, you know, bowled over. And you can just go again, and go again, and go again. And slowly, you can actually use that to level people up. So that was kind of a way of me getting everyone to an advanced class, so I could be in a place where I felt a bit more stable and secure. And uh, yeah, and now I don't think I need to do that anymore, because I've also got a bunch of paralogs. Paralogs return. The paralogs are basically side chapters, but they're chapters that tie into each character from these different games so lucina for example um when you go to her paralogue it is set in arena ferox arena ferox being i think chapter five from awakening uh, and it's a big arena you know you'll recognize it very clearly if you played awakening but her map is just based in that map from that game so it's a cool way of bringing back maps from previous games i just did lins recently lins actually takes place on the sake plains and it's one of the maps that's actually one of my least favorite gba maps it's like the one with a, a river and a bunch of bridges and small islands like 
quite iconic map, but one that I didn't like that much in GBA. So I was like, oh, okay. Um, could have done a nicer one for this. But like, I'm excited to see what's the Sacred Stones map that they bring back or what's the map from Three Houses or Fates, right? Like there are maps that I recognize from across the series that I know, you know, because I've played these games so many times, um, that I think is is a really nice touch there. And uh, each of those paralogues all have like interesting things going on where you know, I just did one with Ike where I was like, oh, I'm, f- I'm fine. I'm, I'm like kind of like in this little cubby hole here, safe and like slowly baiting enemies out and killing them. And then Ike comes through and Ike just fucking destroys this barrier, which is like 10 blocks um, deep. And suddenly like everyone is on top of me all at once. I'm like, oh shit, I just need to, I need to kill the boss and just get done with this. Right. So there is, um, there's a lot of variety there. Um, lots of stuff to get through. I'm currently, I did chapter 18 last night, which is a classic boat map. If you played Fire Emblem, you'll know that there's lots of boat maps in this area when you're on a boat on the sea and you know there's flyers coming from off the ocean and you know you're kind of in a central boat and there are kind of other boats around you um a classic kind of traditional uh map that they always have and uh yeah and i think there are 26 chapters so i still have eight main chapters as well as probably like eight paralogues to go so despite being well i don't know 46 47 hours into this game um there's there's a lot more uh, to dig into so yeah um I, I don't know I've, there's so much to talk about with this game I've been, I've been talking like non-stop about it but i think that's the hard thing right like that the narrative is, is nothing but there is so much rich depth that goes on here from a mechanical level um and you know even just hanging out in the somnial i think is just a nice time there's you know you can go and have uh you know meals with people that increase their stats in fact my main character had such bad strength growth that every time before a match i i go into the training ground and i do push-ups which is a stupid dumb mini game it's basically just a timing rhythm mini game where you just press a a bunch like 25 times in a row and um and then you get a strength buff from it but i kind of i feel like for me it's actually necessary for me to do that because my character is not strong enough to handle enemies you know with the current strength that they have so um that's the thing it feels like and part of the reason why i I did switch off normal as well is it feels like there's no reason or no point in engaging in any of those mechanics if you do play on normal because you're so strong and enemies are so weak that there's it it just doesn't make sense so yeah Uh, despite the ups and downs and the kind of like back and forth that i've had of like replaying stuff again and again um i would recommend if you've played fire emblem games before and you want a if you want to engage with the central mechanic of this game the engage mechanic i would recommend playing this on hard at least start on hard and then if it is just too brutal then you can drop down to normal if you want to um but um yeah it is is one of my favorite ones from a pure mechanic standpoint that i've played probably since conquest honestly and um and honestly that kind of raises it above three houses for me much as i love three houses narratively i think this for me is what i want from fire emblem and it just feels like a nostalgia pull in so many ways bringing back these characters as much as little as they do with them because you can have bond conversations with those emblem characters as well and those conversations are literally two sentences where your character will be like wow you sure are strong and the emblem will be like i train a lot that will be fucking it that will be the conversation you have for their c rank and it's like what the fuck are you doing with this game it's so it's so bizarre but um anyway i think that in the areas that this game has invested in it has absolutely soared so uh yeah strong strong recommendation i would say but also look if you're someone who came to the series with three houses and you love it because of its rich characters and its world building and its storytelling and you were like okay on the tactics but you didn't really care that much about the tactics don't fucking play this game just don't bother it's there's literally no point you will get nothing out of it um 
this is this is one for the tactics goblins and that's me i'm a tactics goblin do you think for the next game they'll try and be a bit more blend blend the two perhaps a bit more story rich but keep the tactics i honestly hope that is the case um i did tweet like i would be cool with them going back and forth like your one entry is a more narrative based one that's a bit easier on the tactics and doesn't invest as much in that and one of them is like a gba style game where it's just pure map design um and i would like them to get i just don't know that they can do both at once i don't know like do they have to take the the kind of uh map design team from intelligent system and blend them with the narrative team from tecmo koe because it doesn't seem like that's how things are set up anyway with with how they're doing this this stuff so i don't know i would love that to be the case and i think that would be the best of both worlds right and you know to some extent awakening is that a little bit but i don't know awakening is also a very easy game so it's it's um yeah it's it's a hard balance to strike i don't i don't think there is a game in the series where the narrative and the tactics are on the same level i would say sacred stones is probably up there like i think sacred stones has one of the best narratives in the entire um series um characters and, and all that stuff as simple as it is i think it's really well told and effective um but yeah i, I don't know there's 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 not that many those out there. i'm also skeptical how many reviewers who are reviewing engage have even played the gba ones at this point oh totally like it's been such a long time that i think yeah. people's reference for what was their first fire emblem is constantly changing constantly and i think like there are two modern touch points for where you got into fire emblem i think most people like reviewers these days most people got into it with awakening right like that was, i think that was the first one for so many people um but then three houses with switch being so successful has yeah. opened up to an even more broader audience right so i think awakening and three houses are the two kind of fan bases that we're speaking to here and and this game is a step up from both of those from a kind of complexity and difficulty standpoint um and i wonder you know if reviewers because as reviewers you're probably playing on normal right that's what makes sense so like in that case i wonder if like part of their issues with it is like well this is also quite easy as well as well as the story being bad so it's like it's kind of this double-edged sword right um or maybe not maybe you know for reviewers normal is totally fine it's just you know um people who have played a lot of fire emblem i think it, it will not pose any challenge whatsoever so um yeah it's weird because i i am i'm not the person as we know from the show we we just play games on normal generally i I never really do difficulty level stuff so this is one of those rare experiences where i'm like you know actually hard is the way to go here and and it's um, that speaks to how easy they made that normal then for you to actually feel like actually maybe i should turn this up is yeah a big deal like totally i as i said i was having a conversation with my family while doing this this game at the same time and barely having to think about it right i think that says quite a lot about where where it falters in terms of kind of how like i just wish there was a regular easy mode right that should have just been easy mode and you don't even barely have to use the engage mechanics and they should have had a normal that because i think hard is well balanced it's just that sometimes on hard the bosses are motherfuckers right they really were just like hey hey how about you just die very quickly and it's like okay why not even have a 10 point sliding scale you know sure and you can adjust it before and after every chapter if you wanted you know absolutely i think there's just modern solutions to these issues that it's it's so frustrating yeah so frustrating that they don't let you swap between classic and uh, casual whenever you want it's so frustrating they don't let you put the difficulty up or down if you want right yeah and i think it's this arbitrary bullshit thing that comes from like well no it's like a kind of gamer quote-unquote gamer mentality of like well you need to have the save file so you did it all the way on hard all the way through you can't just get to the end (laughs) level and say because then your save file will say hard but then you can just change it whenever you want it's like the people who think dark souls shouldn't have easy modes right it's like 
fuck yes. that that's stupid like just just let people enjoy the game in, in different ways so um yeah i wish it was better but anyway um as you can tell i'm I, i've played a lot of this game and i will continue to play a lot of it and i imagine i will be finished by the next time that we chat but we'll see i've got a lot of other stuff to play really early in the year like random january slot this yeah feels a bit weird i don't know totally um yeah i think you know alongside uh conquest this is like my favorite tactics the series has had to date so it's really really up there for me wow. in my mind so yeah really really enjoying it um all right bally uh i hope you had your time for your voice to rest so you can tell us about uh some video games that you've been playing um disc room so both of us actually checked this out but uh do you want to tell us about disc room do you like running away from spiky discs so like i'm talking like meat boy style they're gonna cut you up kind of discs because basically that's all you do in this game and there's a whole lot of different types of discs uh so you you play as like this scientist on this planet and the seems that the only thing that lives on the planet is discs uh so you are in a series of top-down 2d rooms and it's a bullet hell game essentially you're just avoiding discs uh and depending on the room it, uh, the challenge changes sometimes it'll say like right you need to avoid discs for 20 seconds go and then you're basically just avoiding discs for 20 seconds and if you do it you then unlock another room that's adjacent to the room that you've just done so each room has its own set of tasks uh, and often they might have multiple tasks so sometimes a set of rooms might have a you know like a, a like the accumulative period of time you need to avoid discs in those set of rooms to av- to unlock the next room and eventually you'll get to like a boss room and then i think there's maybe four bosses in the game and then like a final three bosses then a final boss and that's it like it's just a like two to three hour game of like constant bullet hell avoiding discs completing uh rooms to unlock more rooms progressing and it was just a really nice little game. Uh, it's on Switch. It was on Game Pass. Um, to just switch off, listen to podcasts, and just use that action part of your brain just to like constantly avoid. And for me, talking about difficulty of Fire Emblem, like the difficulty of this game was absolutely perfect. Like I, I found that sure some of the later stages were tough, but they felt in a, tough in a really good way. Like it, I never felt like. I was completely banging my head against the wall for ages. Uh, And I should also say it's got an incredibly fast restart time every time you die, which is an important part to a game like this. And it's super simple, but it does what it says on the tin. There's on the tin, there's discs, there's rooms, and that's about it. And I loved it. I think it's just games that have one idea and they run with it and they know when to end at the right time. Uh, We need more games like that. Like this game is so good yeah I, I like also that it encourages you to die a lot because part um one of the tasks that it has is like die to a specific number of discs right because there are there right. are a variety of different types of discs like so there over are over 40 or something in the game it's insane yeah so there are like giant big ones that spin around that are hard to avoid there are mini tiny ones there there are ones that have four discs that then shoot out in different directions um there are like spinning top ones like green ones that kind of go in a weird like kind of circular pattern um so yeah lots of variety in terms of the types of movement that you're learning so you're basically learning the movement of these objects and then using your abilities to kind of get past them there are a bunch of different skills you can get as you go through so one is like slowing down time one is a dash roll uh one is a clone um, yourself and there's a clone yourself there's a eat eat the disc one where you eat the disc into yourself and then shoot it back out type of thing um 
I ended. I think you also did. Ended up yeah. just using the dash the whole time because <laughs> yeah. the dash or the dodge roll has invincibility frames, and so it actually makes your survivability a lot higher. I found anyway, um, especially for those ones where you want to like at the end of the game trying to unlock this final room where you need to have a certain number of time total throughout those other rooms surrounding yeah. it i really had to use the dash or the dodge roll a lot in that one just to just to get like right on the edge of like i think i had it by one second basically um over the amount that i needed um it was it was pretty tough you know it definitely gets challenging towards the end there and i think there's a little bit of confusion with it i had to look up like um how to open one of the rooms because I didn't know what I was supposed to do. Like, there's one room that's literally pitch black and you can't see your character. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, how do I get through this? Like, there are a couple of weird mechanics there where I had to... There's a room where it's like, die with four discs in the room, but there are only two discs in the room. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. how does that work? And the, the solution is you have to go to a room where it has those those ones that shoot out four and you have to absorb that into yourself. And that stays on your character, which I didn't know between rooms. And then you Weird. go back to that other room. Yeah, I didn't do that. And then you shoot that out. So I thought I had to do this in order to finish the game. I was like, I couldn't figure out another way of getting to that specific room that I needed to. Do you to. have to do the three um, bosses to get the final boss? I thought you, you did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you do. Because you can't get past... Diff- different ways of getting to those three bosses, I guess. Yeah, the layout of this thing is like, you can zoom out and you see just a bunch of squares, essentially. And all these squares are connected. So they're basically all the rooms connected together. There's like kind of a overview map. Yeah. And there's a block at the very top where there's like a... There's a um, uh, pipe uh kind of uh what do you call it? a block basically a block in like a pipe essentially where, where this one room you have to finish all the bosses in order to unlock the the kind of top of the map the final area essentially yeah, yeah. so yeah it's, um, it's cool like, i think also you're doing like one of the rooms sets of rooms your the time only passes when you're standing in like the inner circle or there's another one where you're constantly collecting like these little orbs not just avoiding this but collecting these orbs uh and those can represent the time sometimes. Like it's not always yes. just you have to get to 20 seconds. It's like, well, you only get a second when you collect an orb and you need right. to get to 20. And then it might say, right, you need 50 orbs between these four rooms or something. And you realize, crap, I need to really, there's like at least 13 orbs per room or something. It's like, it gets really tough at points. But, you know, I think the bosses are quite well designed. I thought the mm-hmm. final boss was very good. The final area where you're kind of swapping between black and white tiles was a nice mechanic. Oh, yeah, that was um, neat. Yeah. This is some really clever stuff. And like I said, mm-hmm. just a simple idea, but executed uh, pretty immaculately. And I agree with you. It's a, bit, a little unclear on certain rooms how to unlock them. And yeah. This is kind of game where it would have just been better if it was just a lot more clear on those kind of things. Because it's, it, right. it's just that kind of game. It's not like a puzzle game, in my opinion. And, yeah. It almost um, tries to get a bit more out of itself by being obscure so that people have to spend time. Because otherwise you can just kind of breeze through the game otherwise, right? Um, yeah. And I do like that, that they don't, they don't have high requirements for survival time. Like five to 10 seconds is usually what you need to do, but there's always a developer time. And the fun thing about me playing this after you played it was when I jumped in, all your scores were there as right, well. Right. So so I think I spent maybe a little bit longer because I was committed to trying to beat your scores <laughs> on every level, uh, which is a nice thing, definitely. I think that it's good to... Because they integrate that like into the game. Because like every room you go into, it's like, oh, here's the leaderboard for your friend list right here, right? Mm. So it, it encourages that kind of like you know that Oli Oli World competitive yeah. uh, behavior, which we always like to engage with. Um, and there's, there's some rooms where it's like, right, if you 
beat 20 seconds on and there are 15 rooms this door will unlock kind of thing so like there's always yes. like a, a, a secondary reason why it's good to do even better and then oh yeah. that that door unlocked this that then creates like almost like a shortcut to the boss or i don't know like it's just there's cool stuff there and i, I found when i started the game i thought right i guess this is the first area and there's going to be like four areas and it's like no actually this is the only area and it's just quite large and takes i don't know two to three hours but like yeah it's really great really great little game would definitely recommend it that, that's disc room and yeah it's on switch uh I yeah would check it highly out. recommend it i can think it came out a few years ago it's a great uh game to play in an evening i basically played it i because you had played it and you're like oh it's super short i was like i didn't really i thought I actually thought it was a roguelike so i was like oh wow you can actually finish this so after work one day i just like hopped on i was like oh just just finished it you know in yeah. a couple hours and, and it was really nice to do that so yeah really good good podcast game um we've also been playing Bertolt Horberg's most recent game, yes. um, Onion Assault. Absolutely. Uh, he announced it like a few months ago, and then I think he revealed, oh, I've been working on this for like four years or something, which is crazy time, yeah. time scales. And yeah, it, I, I'm not sure 2023 was qu- crying out for a uh, Mario 2-inspired uh, platformer, to be honest. Sure. Um, and I think all the faults we would have with 2D Mario, I certainly am finding have found with this game i I finished the game took me i don't know maybe three four three hours or so okay yeah i i it makes me we've talked about a million times before on the show but like live systems checkpointing this game is just very traditional in those two themes and it's a real shame that i think holds the game back and ultimately i think that live systems and checkpointing can't exist in and of themselves like they do relate to how difficult the levels are or not so i'm not saying that the game would suddenly be better if it just had infinite lives i think that to a degree it matters the style of game you're going for in the mm. sense of like imagine celeste with a live system just wouldn't make sense like oh the, yeah the, would that, be that's the impossible point of the game. Yeah. so i think that it kind of is a point to there being a live system but these levels are quite easy but then still frustrating and they're quite plodding because there's a lot of mario 2 style like you're picking up onions you're picking up enemies you're picking up things and throwing them and Mm. it does make it quite slow paced but sometimes the game will require you to be quite fast paced like get over a jump so there's like the run button and as much as i like that juxtaposition with say a donkey kong game there's something about this that i just i didn't really love the whole chucking things and then running I, like either i want a, a, a methodic methodical slow-paced throwing platformer or i want a fast-paced jumping up and down i don't like merging the two into one level that this game does quite a lot of yeah i've also found i'm about halfway through the game so i just finished world two yesterday and um i there's just a lot of little mechanical things that bug me about it um you know the the way in which you have to hold run but also that's the pick up button so you, if you pick up an onion yes that is a strange decision yeah. right if you pick up an onion and then want to run you throw the onion automatically so it's like well that's a bit annoying then like the jumping in midair the control on it feels weird and off in the way that you just don't it kind of feels like a gamble every time you're trying to land on an enemy's head because you don't know if you'll like land on top of them or slide off the side and get hit by them like, it feels quite slippy as well very like, slippy um you know if you're standing next to an enemy then the animation will happen and you'll be hit even though you don't think you can be hit by them um throwing the onion sometimes you're, if you're right next to an enemy you'll just throw it over their head like there there are small little design things here that feel 
like they needed a bit more time to think through um and there's also not much incentive to go and collect stuff either right there's a bunch of coins in these levels i think the biggest drawback is because the checkpointing is so bad because you like have such long stretches of time where you know if i fall down a hole i'm just going back to the start of the fucking level again right and because of that you get into this mindset at least i have where i'm like oh fuck i don't care about the coins i'm just going to try and get back to where i was because that's the that's the kind of momentum you want it's like i just want to get back to where i was and then you get there and then you mess up the jump again you're like i'll just get back to where i was again so it's this it's this perpetual cycle where a first time through a level i i anyway was like oh let's collect the coins let's do this stuff and you're going quite slow and then you because you're taking quite a long time to get through it by the time you fall in a pit and die you're like oh that took me so long to get there so you're like well there's no point in me going for these coins again because it'll just take me just as long and then what if i die again right and it's like trying to get to that next checkpoint and then once you do they're still limited lives so you could mess up again and then have to restart the whole level from the beginning and it's like man like there is some smart stuff in here with you know some of the riding enemies across gaps and like some fun like picking up block stuff and like i like the general idea of going back to a mario 2 thing but i just wish that some of that old school design was just left behind because it doesn't serve anybody it doesn't serve i think the only thing it serves is inflating the runtime of this game which is just inevitably going to be quite short anyway um and i would much rather a more seamless smooth experience like i don't remember remember gum and clive having any of these issues right i think that game those two games had i have a feeling gum and clive didn't have lives i don't remember and just yeah. had like quite quick checkpointing yeah. in any case the levels were definitely bite-sized in nature in a way that you never had to worry about that stuff yeah. right whereas here it's a constant worry and there's a constant worry of like oh there's an oh god my god the fucking icicle level at the oh, end where the icicles the drop. ice returns later in another world i was yeah. gutted yeah there's ice physics but i was also like watching nintendo world reports review and they were talking about how like the difficulty is all over the place where like levels in world one and two are harder than some of the end game levels and like there's just an imbalance there it's like they were kind of randomly haphazardly put in without thought of like how they would ramp up in difficulty that sort of thing mm. um and look, I like this guy's games a lot, you know, and we've played all of them. I'll continue to play them all because one of the things that he does excellently is like visually, this game runs at 60 on Switch, looks really nice, like yeah, very crisp and clean, like super, super nice visual style and aesthetic. Um, you know, all all of these games have that going for them, which I think is a great, great thing. And um, there's, there's a smoothness to that presentation that I think is super, super great. And you don't see it oftentimes with kind of two and a half D style indie games, right? Um, which I, I really appreciate. Uh, but I, I just don't i don't think it's quite there right like it has some fun things going on but it doesn't quite nail it when it comes to some of the fundamentals and honestly just becomes more frustrating than enjoyable a lot of the time uh playing through it so yeah i don't know how you felt about like the bosses and stuff like that i thought they were they were cool like um i i like the bosses that i mean the biggest drawback with the bosses probably is like the life system like you, if you die on the boss and then you game over you'd have to start the whole level again like yeah especially on maybe like the final boss i had to come back to that final boss i don't think i had to come back to him once but it's still like right i'm going back through the whole level just to fight this boss again like this is a bit brutal it's like this is kind of not what i expect for 2023 like i'm just kind of beyond that that mindset uh but i do like the bosses i and if you like bosses, you should really try his other game, Extermination Force, yes. which um, is just bosses. It feels like a, like a light-hearted cuphead almost in some yes. ways, where it's yeah. just boss. It's just every level is just a boss. 
boss fight and some really innovative well-designed bosses in there and i feel like that game doesn't have a live system i could be wrong but um it it's just extermination force is by far the best game he's done since absolutely um and i really i think he i think he's better at the run and gun than the pure 2d platforming so that's Mm. what i'd hope he'd return to in the future although i know he is working on like a 3d fighter or something it's like a punch out meet souls style right. thing which yes, is really yeah, cool exactly. as an idea so um, we'll see what that turns into or how that turns out but um yeah i this is just this game is so 2d mario it's ridiculous like the design of the enemies is so goomba like and uh-huh. the end of the worlds are all bowser castle themed and you know i get it and i but i i don't know there's this part of me that's just like yeah, this is a nice homage too, but I think we're beyond homages to right. Mario. You to have to be Mario. doing something a bit different. And honestly, I don't think there's much like innovative going on here. Like it just feels like, yeah, this is Mario two, right? There's not not yeah. a lot of additional stuff on top. I think the the only unique thing is like being able to um uh, pick up heavy things like bosses like you could pick up big bosses and throw them and the um the one boss at the end of world 2 that's basically um what's his face from uh super metroid uh can't remember the name of the boss the one that you push in the lava right the one that you have to get all the way to the yeah the exactly lava. it's yeah, basically that fun. boss which is a yeah. fun fun little twist i thought that was pretty neat you know um but yeah aside from that it is really much like okay pick up this thing and then throw it to the enemy and that's and you can also jump on the enemies and pick them up right that's it's kind of the fundamental part of it and um yeah it, it would have been nice to have a little bit more innovation there but also yeah just just a bit tighter more modern design um is, is what would be nice but anyway you know i still i still think it's it's a decent thing to check out uh, and, and worth having a look at if you're interested are you, are you gonna finish it i think i probably will it's quite short so it's short there's only 16 levels in the whole game yeah totally so like i'll probably push through and finish it but um yeah i i would put this below <clears throat> below i think i would say extermination force is my number one then gum and clive one and two i don't know which one i prefer but one and two and then this then super punch patrol i would say i still like this more than super punch patrol yeah i'd go with the same order yeah same order um but yeah i feel like mario 2 probably worth uh taking a look at it and, and seeing uh, if you want to get anything out of that all right, well, uh, that is going to be us for the first part of the show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back after the break with your email. See you in a bit.
Alright everybody, welcome back to the second half of today's show. Uh, Bally, of course, uh, being a little under the weather, um, not able to do the full email read, so I'll be reading (laughs) emails today. Um, And uh, Bally, but Bally, could you tell us one thing, one important thing, one crucial, necessary thing that we must say for this email segment, which I think we forgot last time because we didn't do emails, but if you want to write in to the show, where can you do that? What is the email address to send those emails to, Bally? Please email thisnintendolife at gmail.com. That is thisnintendolife at gmail.com. Calm. Fantastic. You can also head over to our Discord server. There's an email thread there where you can post questions in if you so choose that as your platform of choice. Um, but I like traditional emails. You know, it's a bit of an old school thing. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's whatever way works for you. Our first email today comes from Chad from Nebraska who says, Hi guys, any thoughts on bringing back your jukebox soundtrack guessing game? Or if you want to steal from the official Nintendo Power podcast, which honestly kind of sucks, uh, they use sound bites from animations like the da-da-da-da from Link opening a treasure chest. Completely changing the subject, I know you guys aren't huge Hollow Knight fans, but after seeing the reviews of Sports Story and hearing about the development nightmare, it makes me pretty nervous for Silk Song. Any thoughts? Thanks, as always, for the great podcast, Chad from Nebraska. Um, thanks, Chad. Uh, appreciate that. Um, yeah, the Nintendo, Nintendo Power podcast is one of those things that is like... It's basically state propaganda, and I am just so morbidly fascinated by Nintendo state propaganda that I always listen to that podcast. It is terrible. Like, it is, like... because they have to like dance around everything and like we now that kit and krista are out of nintendo they they actually have talked about the nintendo power podcast before and how they were disappointed with how kind of like toothless it is and has to be because of all the rules and regulations that nintendo has about Mm. like you know when they say stuff that we always call out all the time of like the splatoon 3 game like they have to say that every single time and i mean that was one of my biggest criticisms of nintendo minute was it felt at times quite toothless and it had to be right and it It had to be kind of and kit and krista talk about how like they they were they had to do that basically like they they knew how stupid it was but like there's weird legal stuff that they have to do and and i will still back kit and krista and say i still think their podcast is progressively getting more and more revealy about like like, i swear if you listen to the first episode compared to now they are like shooting from the hip massively Uh now and it's very fun to listen to definitely i think their patreon also like answers some even darker deeper questions so uh, if you yeah if you want to check that god nintendo must be furious some some parts of nintendo must be furious with them i should say Um, yeah yeah yeah. but But they're good friends with reggie so i don't think he ever was uh oh yeah but he was also a kind of shoot from the hip kind of guy you see yeah i think they come from similar energies and totally held back by japan yeah i guess so i guess so um it is weird isn't it because you have that contrast in cultures when it comes down to it and um the kind of like misunderstandings that happen often through translation Mm. and stuff but um in any case that podcast does do a um they do like a bunch of different games of like i'm going we're going to do this quiz where we try and guess the game from 30 years ago 20 years ago and 10 years ago and the clues they give are basically like well if you don't get this you're a fucking moron type of thing like it's 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 very much like it's it's very light you know uh and yeah. it's it's very obviously that's what it has to be it's propaganda it's promo it's all that sort of stuff and you know it's 
yeah it, it, it's an interesting listen if you ever want to listen to it but um uh speaking about the jukebox you know that's something that we'll bring back of oh course. definitely um, yeah we even though we're doing jukebox. our um two segment show going forward uh you know jukebox is always there as a, as a segment to, to come back to um always a fun thing to do so yes it will it will be returning uh probably sometime soon i imagine so uh look out for it when it does always look forward to doing that uh it'll be a fun time however Bali, let's get into the meat of the question we actually i think we kind of had discussed this a little bit ourselves of like well one highly anticipated sequel to a switch beloved classic has kind of shit the bed and uh really really not not nailed it do you think it is possible for the same to happen to hollow knight when it comes down to silk song um what what do we feel totally possible but definitely not to the same extent as sports story i think that is a hard level to get to i think personally could i think an underwhelming silk song is potentially like a lack of areas or a lack of variety or a lack of you know there's something about the innovation and discovery and all these things with hollow knight that i think in a similar way to like breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom like it's very hard to replicate that magic and i think that's the that's the issue silk song might have is like how do you replicate magic? And I guess that is arguably replicating magic's like the difference between golf and sports story to an extent. But like I think yeah. that Team Cherry seem like A, they're a very small team, but B, they seem to have made such a seamless, slick game for such a small team. Yes. Like arguably far beyond any other small teams I can think of in terms of like game feel. Um yeah, so that gives me a lot think... of hope. I think when it comes down to it, right, you look at Golf Story, the original, and I think that had a bunch of issues at launch as well from, like, a kind of um, uh, bugs and stuff standpoint. Yeah. But also, like, you know, Golf Story still had a lot of mechanical kind of junk in there, and it wasn't very smooth or polished. Like, it was up to a certain point, but Hollow Knight is, like, immaculate, right? Like, Hollow Knight is, like, a first-party Nintendo game. Like, I remember walking past the bushes and, and hitting them in Hollow Knight and the way in which the, like, the background environment encourages you to just, like, interact with it. Even though it does nothing, it just adds to the feel and the momentum of the world. Like, there is a, as a level of quality that Hollow Knight started with that Golf Story even originally never came close to achieving, right? And I think that that not to say that, like, oh, well, Sidebar are terrible and, and Team Cherry are amazing, um, but, like, it seems like they have a higher capability to make something that is more polished um, and won't succumb to at least the bug side of things, when it, ironically, <laughs> given the game's <laughs> all about bugs, um, that Sportsbury did. Um, I guess the, the question is, like like you said, can they, can they recapture that kind of magical thing that happened when the original Hollow Knight came out? Um, I don't know. I think you know i think a, a a disappointing silk song is almost like just another hollow knight game you know one that right. kind of does similar stuff Still but doesn't really push the game. boundaries yeah. um and so i think that's that's probably where people would be disappointed but i don't think people would be you know mad about it or anything they'd yeah. be like oh great it's it's more of the same but it's just it's not pushing it there's never been a higher expectation for any indie game ever that i can think of like, i don't think is, so no this is insane levels that's partly because of how beloved Hollow Knight is and was, like how long it's been since Hollow Knight even came out on Switch, let alone PC, and like it's it's the just the 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 hype that's built for this game is unlike anything we've seen, and you know it's exciting. And to meet that expectation, I think is an incredibly difficult goal, and 
I think if it even comes close, it's doing very well. Yeah, I think the only other contender for that right now is Hades 2, right? Like, how how do you follow up, like, literally a perfect video game, right? Um, right, yeah, that's a good comparison. And I think that was the interesting thing about reading what um, Supergiant said on their website about, like, look, we always try and challenge ourselves. And the most challenging thing we could do right now is is make a sequel that has the same level of magic and intrigue and surprise as the original did and i think that's that's the challenge for silk song is like can it do that can tears of the kingdom do that right that we have a few of these floating around right now of like sequels to games that are frankly some of the best ever made and um, yeah. it's a huge amount of pressure you know i can only imagine team cherry sitting there you know as as they sell millions and millions of copies of this game this game that they kickstarted, you know a few years ago and uh they're like this small thing from two people and uh and now it is like the most wishlisted game on steam right it's like so so huge in so many communities and you know people are just clamoring for any bits of information about it and uh for a small team like that that's enormous pressure <laughs> like absolutely like for nintendo it's fine like nintendo have that pressure constantly because they're used to it they're always they're always under those expectations but um i think also the idea that this this just grew in scope right it started as a dlc and then they were like oh we're gonna make a full game right i think that also changes things of like what you know how did they have to go and redo a bunch of stuff right are they are they rebuilding a bunch of things because i think the dlc was supposed to like have a world that was attached to the current space and so is it like a totally different thing have they kind of reworked mm. everything um i don't know it's, it's interesting uh, from what we saw recent the most recent thing we saw was last year's xbox uh summer right. conference where they showed off another trailer and um yeah it, it seemed pretty in line with what we would expect from it but um maybe it's just scope you know the original Hollow Knight is a huge game massive like far bigger than most metroidvanias are from a 2d perspective and um i wonder if they're just going large maybe that's that's the thing because because they <clears throat> the weird thing about hollow knight is <clears throat> team cherry initially seemed like a, a a studio who could turn things around pretty quickly right um they they put out a bunch of dlc for hollow knight very soon after it came out and then they announced silk song as a dlc pretty soon after and they had it playable and in, in, at e3 in nintendo's booth like very very soon after that like we've seen hollow knight be you know, silk song be played live a bunch already and um so like what what is the thing that's taking the time right that's the thing i'm really curious about is like if they're taking this long on it and they generally are pretty quick with development they must be doing something big and different with it right like there has to be some kind of twist here some kind of unique change that is gonna really blow things out the water so in all honesty the longer that it goes the more faith i have in silk song um, especially when you see like sports story you know came out after a while and still had a bunch of problems and you're like well they probably should have kept it going in development for longer just to iron that out feels like they don't want to release something with silk song that is going to be any less than like perfection day one from a kind of polished standpoint um so yeah, yeah there's a lot of pressure and i think um this time round, it seems like xbox and nintendo like, particularly xbox are a lot more invested in team cherry with like their promotion and these kinds of things so like i think if i was team cherry i'd be feeling the pressure like there's a i think we're going to get like it's probably going to appear in a nintendo direct as well as like some sort of xbox showcase as totally well. yeah know, like they they might have done a double deal or something like there's a lot going on with the promotion and platforms that this game's coming to um 
that I can't think of the same happening with a ton of indies, honestly. Like, there's just so much hype. So, and maybe Nintendo was slowing them down. <laughs> like, yeah. It's not out of the question. Know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those games where is it going to come out? I mean, probably on Switch still, right? Hopefully this year at some point. But, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a launch title for Nintendo's next system at this point. Like, oh, it, they've taken their time. I think it'll, it'll, launch yeah. on Switch. it'll launch on Switch. Yeah, I think it will. Even if it, even if there is a new system, they, they're not going to ignore the install base of hundreds of million, uh, almost, yeah. Like Are you confident they'll make it this year? No, I'm not. Even though they, even though the Xbox thing was like, it's all in the next 12 months. I'm yeah. like, well... What about that Hollow Knight though? How about that one? <laughs> I don't know if that's that's uh, gonna work out or not. Um, as, I as think it'll come like this it year. It'll come this year. Yeah, you know, I don't know. It, stuff with Silk Song and stuff with Tears of the Kingdom, and then you juxtapose that to what just happened recently with Hi-Fi Rush, and I'm like, fuck, man, why do we have these massive marketing like lead-up cycles? Because all it does yeah. is create this anticipation and these expectations that can ultimately not be met because of the hype cycle behind things right and the 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 expectations that people for so long all they can do is imagine what this thing can be but and so inevitably when it gets in their hands it's it's never gonna live up to what they because their imagination has had so long to kind of extrapolate as to yes. the possibilities versus a game that's just like anyway here's this thing you can play it today here you go and you're like wow okay that's cool right like i think it's it's really interesting what Xbox have just done, and and I wonder how that impacts the rest of the industry. Honestly, how, how much of an impact does Hi-Fi Rush make in the world without Game Pass, though? Because I don't yeah, think exactly. it creates much. Like, no, I think that's it's, true. Absolutely, it's a big deal that that game was able to come out and just be available to everyone with Game Pass. And yeah. I don't think Sony or Nintendo can do the equivalent with the marketing beat. I guess no, they can roll it into their equivalent of you know Switch Online or PS Plus, or whatever. But like. They're very different services to Game Pass, and for the, for Xbox to be able to release something so big, and that's getting such great reviews to, to you know be there available day one is, I I want to see more of that. That's that's the kind of thing, as like a, if you were like a Microsoft shareholder in Xbox or whatever, you'd be like very pleased with that strategy if they can keep churning it out, you know. Um, yeah, I, I wonder how it's worked out for them. I do wonder, like, has the lack of a marketing cycle on that game hurt them at all? Just because there is no familiarity with what that ip is a brand new ip is a fresh new thing like does that have drawbacks in any way um but i think when you have a platform as big as xbox does it probably kind of removes any of those barriers i would imagine from a marketing yeah. perspective and i think a lot of their downloads for game pass are quite secretive anyway so we're sure not, yeah we might not ever find out um yeah exactly yeah. awesome um, well thanks chad uh, i think where i land is it'll be fine it'll it's all gonna be good yeah i really don't think we're gonna see a sports story situation with silk song no. um much as people are worried about it i think the the pedigree of the team the time they've taken what we've already seen frankly what we've already seen right because sports story one of the problems was it was just clips from trailer right like it was short clips and you couldn't really get a sense of it go back to that e3 from 2019 was it 2018 nintendo's e3 uh, uh where they play silk song live looks fucking great like plays fantastic interesting mechanically different like it has that kind of level of polish that we expect so yeah i think we're gonna be just all right um great well our next email comes in from noah uh and noah says 
Hey, Valiant Emmy said. As I'm sure you're aware, the RFN podcast crew are asking for Wii U eShop game suggestions to play for their upcoming retroactive for episode 800. Uh, you can see this email is slightly late uh, of us reading it <laughs> because that happened a while ago now. Uh, but uh, anyway, let's continue. Um, seeing as how you are both Wii U experts, I was thinking you both might have some great game suggestions for them to play. Unfortunately, I never got the chance to play the Wii U, so it's a part of Nintendo's history that I completely missed. As a result, I won't be able to suggest a game for them to play, but I knew you both would have some cracking ideas. Let's hear them. Uh, best wishes, Noah. P.S. In episode 225, NBZ talked about his time playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Treasure Revenge, and you both expressed interest in playing through the game together in co-op mode before the end of the year. Since we're nearing the end of the year now, I thought I'd remind you. Well, we did it. We did play it in co-op. Um, I think we played it, like, in August or something? Maybe July yeah. l- last yeah. year? Yeah. Um, and we talked yeah, about it on fun. the show as well. We did. So we did. It's there. The Wii U eShop Bally. Uh, both of our favourite places to be. You know my favourite thing about the Wii U eShop? Um, that little fucking mini game you played before while you're waiting for it to load to line up the things to, oh, to get love them. It. Once you get the timing down, you can just nail it every time. You can nail it every, every time. It's so fucking time. satisfying. Like, it's like, oh, I got Rayman this time. Fucking nailed it. Um, <laughs> it's the best part. Also, the music was, like, pretty all right but also like i like the layout of the wii u eShop. like it's a good layout it's a good music and the uh, selection of classic consoles is uh, bar none the best that nintendo ever had so like it's it's a good eShop. it is it's solid um and it's almost uh dead so we better figure out what we want to um put on it before we go away for people um i think it's like march right so we almost are like a month or two away from that happening uh, I've pretty much bought everything I want, mainly from the 3DS, if I'm honest, like Wii U eShop. I think the problem, right, with this question with Wii U generally is <clears throat> so many games are now on Switch that were on the Wii U. And eShop games, there weren't a lot of kind of exclusivity things going on on there, right? There weren't a lot of games that were like, you can only ever play this on the Wii U eShop. Um, so, like, you have to look to things that haven't been put across. The, the game that RFN ended up choosing was Kirby and the Rainbow Curse, which is a game that mm. you can't, you can do on Switch, but you can't fully do on Switch because you can only play it in handheld mode. It would have to be constrained to just doing it in handheld mode. Or you'd have to have some really bad control scheme where you use the motion on the Joy-Cons to draw lines oh, on the screen via motion Ugh. control, right? Yeah. Um, which sounds not very good, um, even though they could do it. Um, stuff like Star Fox Zero, right, where it's just the entire concept is built around two screens. Star Fox Zero is my one, for sure, yeah. That'd yeah. be my one that would be like, if you want to play one Wii U game that's un- very unlikely to be ported, or if it does get ported, will probably not be quite as good as the original, would be Star mm-hmm. Fox Zero, for sure. It's 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 a controversial game but i think that it's some of the best dogfighting i've ever played in video games like there's a real unique lock-on system that then combined with the wii u gamepad you can like look around to star wolf and like start shooting him and you can swap between the ship and the chicken walker like it's 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 some really good action in there I, i was very impressed by that game yeah there's there's a couple of other games on there that i think i've always been interested in like i kind of want to pick up game and wario before that goes away right oh that's a really really good shout yeah yeah like um i remember looking at videos at e3 of people playing game and wario and it seemed like a really weird fun thing where you know there's that pirate one i think where you move the screen all across 360 around your space it basically like has a panoramic camera like going around the space actually remember at the beginning of the wii u wasn't there like a google maps thing where you could like have a panoramic camera with the wii u gamepad and look on around street the space yeah. on street view yeah like yeah. i to completely blank that out of my mind it just suddenly came back to me but yeah that, that i wish there was a bit more of that stuff going on in the wii u era because 
that was like a cool idea that they never expanded in any way and never found like interesting uses it's almost like it's basically vr but like a window into vr almost like where the screen is basically the goggles and you can move it around to kind of pan around a space like i think there's so much kind of potential in that idea and they they never really did much with it but yeah game and wario did have a game with it where it was like a pirate thing on the beat where you'd have to move it to catch um like arrows shooting at you or like plungers shooting out the screen or something um that was something that i thought was kind of cool and and i although it's not like a full WarioWare thing like it had some neat ideas um like i think it had the gamer mode right from WarioWare, where you had to play on the gamepad and then you had to like put it away when your mum came in was that game and wario oh right yeah that was a game and wario yeah and yeah. It, yeah included obviously some of the micro games from the original wario yes yeah Very cool so like i think i think honestly if i bought game and wario it would be an afternoon of fun and then i would never play it again um and for like i don't know is it 40 quid on the eShop right now probably is that worth me doing just for historical curiosity maybe i don't know i i i might want to try and find a physical copy of game and wario to dig into that at some point mm. but um yeah that for me is definitely of like the first party nintendo games one i've been the most curious about like it was a launch game and it just wasn't justifiable to buy it at launch it didn't make sense so i was like yeah maybe that's that's the one that um i would do but from like a kind of depth perspective and a discussion perspective i don't think it would be that that interesting of a game to choose uh which i think is probably why they didn't go for it um but um but yeah um anything else Bally, that sticks out to you i've got a couple um a game we really enjoyed maybe i enjoyed it more than you to be honest Uh, it's affordable space adventures yes if we're talking about (laughs) indie games that are exclusive to wii u that use the features of wii u in a smart way affordable space adventures is really the only one i I would say like it's it's the one that just kind of goes for it and yeah i think i like it more in hindsight than i did at the time like i actually have good memories of because it was just fun playing it together right but also we were recording it and so that adds a a weird layer to things as well So one person's got like the thrusters and the other one can kind of control the angle and the abilities keep swapping because it's not just thrusters and angle there's one bit where i think you have like a hook shot or something and then there's one where it's like anti-grav and you're constantly changing your roles and i think we on top of that we did a thing where we made sure we changed every level or something just to make it even more complicated went back and forth went back and forth which was very fun and yeah a a game unique to the wii u you can't play it anywhere else so yeah that's a really good it's quite a short experience as well i think like three to four hours not not too long uh i think it took us like seven hours was it actually seven? <laughs> it, was, it was i remember it was two sessions you came around to my house one day and we played like three something hours right, and you right. came back again and we did another we do have a let's play on our youtube channel of that yes. entire game if you would like to watch it exactly so, yeah. including like off-cam footage at the end of the game where i get my phone out and record the wii u gamepad and then put it in a little window to show the um the end of that game is really fun because you basically send a distress signal and you get to draw on the screen um, and then you send it and then it shows you at the end all the using Miiverse to, to fulfill this it shows this fax machine with nobody there as like these endless pieces of paper fall oh, from on top yeah. of it with everyone else's like distress signals so you see a bunch of other people who had finished the game That's their funny. drawings and the things they had said at the end of the game I think we did a thing where we were like listen to TNL podcast or something dumb yeah. we like did it like as a promotional <laughs> thing um, which was 
very very funny like like anybody would care um but that was a that was a fun little thing um and yeah i think you could play that game with three people oh, but really? you would oh. yes but the third person would do like something even more minor that wasn't like right, as right. engaging um but yeah it was it was a cool thing where you know someone is is measuring the temperature and like doing the cooling and stuff on the gamepad while the other person controls and moves through and yeah yeah oh, it, um lovely. got complicated a lot of kind of back and forth on that trying to figure stuff out but um yeah affordable space adventures i think if you're going to do a game that represents indie games on wii u that's like one with a bullet i would say um my final one i can think of uh that utilizes the wii u gamepad in a very unique way that i really enjoyed and i just had a really fun afternoon while i lived in brussels playing this game one weekend uh that's Star Fox guard oh uh, yeah so like it, this is weird so you it's like slippy's uncle i want to say or maybe uh, what's he called grippy i grippy, think yeah, yeah. So, coming back to me now and he's, he's like orange with like a, a mustache um but yeah it, it's tower defense and you're basically setting up cameras and turrets essentially to stop these robots just kind of infiltrating your little maze that you're defending basically and you're using your swift switching between different cameras it's kind of this was showcased at uh, an e3 a while back where the idea was you'd play with a group of people and everyone would like watch their individual camera on a screen right yeah um i just played it single player and it still worked pretty well i had a great time um it's just a really unique weird definitely another one of miyamoto's like i have to turn this into a game kind of like ideas that he was determined yeah i mean it started uh, as a project name right we had project giant robot and project guard right um, and those were the initial incarnations giant robot became um a nintendo labo yes uh, it did meanwhile yeah. project guard became a Star Fox spin-off um yeah because if they don't know what to do with a game they just slap a Star Fox yeah, skin exactly. on it as we've seen uh, a few times um yeah. but yeah this is it's just like a if, if you're looking for like nintendo history curiosity like this is definitely up there on the wii u and um mm. i think it's a really good game actually i it's only like four or five hours long and i had a really good time with it yeah it's a, it's a really good one um, and easily forgotten about because it just came as a pack-in with star yeah, fox zero Did, yeah. was it on a separate disc to star fox zero it was a, was it zero? maybe i downloaded it i downloaded both of them i want to say to be honest but there was some sort of offer where you'd get a big discount on one if you bought the other so i did both of those and then that linked to me getting some discount on fire emblem fates or something birthright at the same time it was very strange yeah. uh they didn't have their houses in a good order before the switch came out to be honest so yeah for it was sure. all over the shop totally um yeah i mean there are games that you can get in other places now stuff like the swapper was a big one we both played i believe oh, yeah. on wii u um and bittrip uh, runner 2 was a huge one for the start of that system where it was probably the first big high score game i think that we both got into in terms of like people on our friends list playing it. i remember that when i first got that game i had a bunch of people from nintendo world report on my um friends list and so seeing their scores as everyone was playing it was was good fun and like trying to beat everybody's times and those sort of things going back and forth was was awesome neither of us ever really played the nes remix games those are ones no. that i actually might want to go back and check out honestly um i know they did like a collection came to 3ds as well like a different version yeah the the 3ds had a collection um right which was which, I, th- I think it basically took one and two um and put them together i believe so um 
that's probably a good thing to check out maybe before it goes away um i never played scram kitty that was uh one that rfn always talked about scram kitty and his buddy on rails was a um an interesting uh kind of wii u exclusive which i think might actually be available in other places now um and, you know you got stuff like art academy which was much easier on the gamepad um dr luigi uh was a you know obviously a dr mario style right. game but a wii u version made for the year of luigi i believe nintendo's worst financial year of all time uh, <laughs> shout out to luigi is that um, true i think it it might be one of the worst like <laughs> yeah. i think 20 what 2013 right so that was just after wii u had launched and it was the year of luigi um pretty chaotic it was 10 years ago We're... 14 or 15 must have been worse but i i hear you yeah that makes sense yeah well i think by 14 and 15 they had mobile games up and running so <laughs> fire emblem heroes yeah. was probably making them you know enough cash to get by um yeah i don't know um and then push they, they did do a pushmo game on wii u pushmo world so like there's a there's a lot of little things on there that were like iterations of stuff that were also on 3ds but harder to get now and i kind of got my fill with the first pushmo but they boy they made a lot of those games and different mm. spin-offs of those games so if you if you wanted more there was certainly more to go out and get um you know but uh yeah i think overall it was you know there were certain games like tesla grad i remember being big on wii u right, right? like certain indie games that kind of were the ones Tesla grad 2 coming out soon yeah but there are certain ones that you know were a little bit more associated with the system because nintendo did a bit of co-marketing with them and you know they had that whole humble bundle with stuff like you know sword and soldiers and all these other things that were were on there so you know i i do think that there's a decent amount of small things that you can still check out from the wii eShop, but in terms of stuff that is worth going back to it's vanishingly small now i think just because you know everything's been moved over to either switch or has been taken to other platforms at this point so um yeah there's i I think we kind of talked through all the main ones that are worth talking about and obviously xenoblade chronicles x is like the biggest one but um you know that's that's one for uh only certain people uh, who want to <laughs> put 100 hours of their life into uh, a game and, and drive a big mac around so that and uh, star fox zero really are the only two left aren't they if we're talking major ones like kirby obviously the rainbow paintbrush okay also, yeah, no, um, right, yeah you know game and wario stuff like that like as we we, as we kind of mentioned and obviously nintendo land like the game of the wii u yeah probably i would say like a top three wii u game oh 100 still to this day like you know do you remember playing that in aberdeen with everyone yeah like, like that entire weekend five yeah. player like asymmetrical multiplayer that stuff was so good especially like the mario chase and the luigi's mansion stuff like that uh-huh. those are some really really cool games like i would love to see more quirky stuff like that appear from nintendo absolutely uh, and hopefully they There's will one, do something yeah i mean again that sequel to one two switch hanging about somewhere so probably more <laughs> likely that than nintendo land in the future i think nintendo land scarred nintendo in a lot of ways like the whole fireworks thing at e3 that i think yeah. and Chris have talked about that recently as well and boy it was uh yeah it was not great um uh, didn't put things on the best foot starting forward for the wii u i mean it was a local multiplayer game in an era where everyone had still moved to online right like yeah it, it was it was local only i want to say like i don't think there's any online functionality yeah but um... i mean speaking of that like if you want a classic wii sports experience uh wii sports club was on wii u as an exclusive which is online play for wii sports games now switch sports exists and kind of is the same thing yeah. but i don't know yeah. you know Switch sports is better than club sports to be honest in the sense that yeah like, there's more games and things but that's true 
time. We had our fun of we we sports club for the free weekends and never buying it. And I think that was the yeah. right move, honestly. So yes, no, uh, no, yeah. we had our fill. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, thank you, Noah, for that question. And thank you, everybody else, for writing in. We'll get to more of your questions in the future. Um, but if you do want to send some in, and we do always need more, Bally, where can they send those emails? Please email thisnintendolife at gmail.com. That is thisnintendolife at gmail.com. We always need more. Wonderful stuff. Um, I think we're going to get on out here. So uh, let's wrap things around. Uh, first things first, I'm going to remind you that we have the survey ongoing. So if you would like to participate and give us some feedback, some thoughts on the show, then please do so uh, and go ahead and fill that in. And you can uh, yeah, help uh, formulate uh, what we're going to be doing going forward. Uh, link in the description on Twitter, all those different places. Uh, we would like to thank some folks for supporting us on Patreon, uh, a place where you can go and get extra episodes bonus stuff thoughts on various topics uh bally who are we thanking today uh we're thanking a couple of new patrons they are mason m and ace thank you both for your brand new patronage that's hugely appreciated but we also like to thank our ten dollar tier patrons they are zach s thomas matthew albert and wicked gamer uk alan but thank you to all of our patrons um we we passed 50 patrons we're up to 51 yeah. patrons which is a, an awesome thing to to shout about and we'd like to thank everyone who's supported us uh and thank you to everyone who has supported us in the past but doesn't support us any longer like of we course. still really appreciate all the support you've given us since we started our patreon back in i don't know when was it 20 a while ago who 19, knows years. so, so many years we've been going a while so it's nice that you know the whole little patreon community is growing and mm-hmm. uh you're getting access to those to those shows so thank you absolutely so head on over to uh patreon.com slash this nintendo life and you can uh, find a tier that is right for you that's what they say don't they that's, yes uh, there's, there's that's so the, many that's tiers. the verbiage that's definitely the verbiage. one one tier will fit everyone absolutely um you can obviously follow us in various places across the land the magical world of the internet i'm on twitter at Lord NBZ, you can find me over there. Bally, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at Ballyman91. That's B A L Y M A N 91. Awesome. And you can follow the podcast Twitter at TNL Podcast. Um, that is a place you can go for updates about the show, surveys, uh, links, things like that, as well as you know links to our YouTube channel and our Discord. Both places you should check out if you want to, you know, have us up in a tab. I do. There are some podcasts for me that are YouTube podcasts where I have them on my second monitor, and I don't actually listen to them on my podcast feed. So you know, we could be that for you if you want. Um, as well as our Discord community, which is. Um, popping off right now in the fire emblem chat let me tell you a lot of activity going on obviously lots of our community are into fire emblem and it's been a lot of fun going back and forth with people um trying to you know figure out what the best builds are for characters that sort of thing See some good use of, uh, of spoiler tags very impressive use of loads those. loads of spoiler tags you know we even though the story is not worth <laughs> caring about spoiling uh people are being uh being good about it yeah. so you know if you do want to chat with people in there and you know figure out you know what what are the best uh best things to give what skills to pass down those sort of things lots of nerds in there who will be able to help you out and uh you know tell you some stuff about what's going on fire emblem so I'm, check it out i'm enjoying the drama over in the fantasy critic channel oh that's, my god don't tell drama. me about it valley fucking hell <laughs> this these motherfuckers i thought i had resident evil 4 dead to rights i tell you i thought i had six dollars i put in a massive bid um only to be outbid by seventy dollars from a service. What I'm, I'm gutted. Frankly, oh, blind, blind bidding is is very fun. 
Yes. It makes course. you doubt yourself so many times. Uh, the ba- Bally did make the greatest deal of the year so far, picking up <laughs> Hi-Fi Rush in our in our emergency bidding session for a mere $16, a game which now has, I think, a 91, <laughs> which is, uh, that's some easy points there, baby. Uh, that's um, that's very, very good tactics on your part, Bally. So Thank you. Thank congratulations. You. Uh, and I now that. have to figure out what to do because I don't have any of these games because <laughs> I didn't bid enough for them. So, hey, you yeah, got Fire um, Emblem Engage. You know, I did, so yeah. Gonna... Yeah, yeah, yeah you're leading the way with that yeah uh we'll see um anyway thanks everybody uh we will be back in a couple of weeks time with some more video game chat and uh so supposedly february i don't know there's some rumors going around about nintendo direct so maybe we'll be uh we'll be talking about that sometime Got in the Octopath future traveler 2 in february yeah 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 yeah. lots of good stuff so uh looking forward to it uh and uh, until then thank you everybody for listening and we'll see you next time bye-bye folks interlude used on today's show was Emblem Engage from Fire Emblem Engage, copyright Nintendo 2023.